are listening to For the Lore, the podcast that delves into the craft of our favorite games, whether lore, gameplay, or game design. Each week, Roger is joined by Joe, Vince, and Marty. This is Marty coming to you from For the Lore. Uh, listeners, look at me. Look at me now. I'm the host now. This week, Marty and Joe are going to join the team and talk about... Oh, shit. I just screwed up my entire <laughs> intro. <laughs> Son of a bitch. <laughs> I had... Hold on. I had written... You know what? Hold on a second. Hold on a second. I got to give you credit. At least you remembered to talk this time. <laughs> I'll see myself out. For people listening, <laughs> I'm not going to keep doing this. No, we're good. You guys don't have to worry about this anymore. <laughs> but Marty, I was, I was, I put out the show notes, and then Marty contacted me and asked if I could swap something because he was going to do the opening and and he wanted to be prepared and he he would rather do it on the other game. And I went, "What the fuck makes you think you're going to be doing the opening?" And then he mentioned the other couple of times. I said, that was just me being a jackass fucking with them. Normally I'd tell somebody if they're going to do the intro. So he was set up not to do it. So I, I think that kind of set him up that he knew he would be doing it. <laughs> yeah. So so you did all right. But don't worry, it won't happen again in this. I mean it this time. Hand on the bottle, not the Bible, but the, the bottle of wine. <laughs> so, hey, well, try it again, buddy. Yeah. <clears throat> Hello, this is Marty coming at you from For the Lore. Listeners, I want you to do me a favor. Look at me. Look at me now. I'm the host now. This week, Joe and Roger and I are going to talk about some of the most interesting news and games that we have and we can find. First up, we're going to start talking about Destiny 2 because by the time this drops, y'all be playing Osiris and you're going to be saying, who the hell is Osiris? Why should we care? Uh, But first, gentlemen, what's your feeling on the Osiris uh, DLC so far? If I don't get a fucking bird hat, I'm going to be super goddamn pissed. Oh, uh, I don't think you're going to get a bird hat. <laughs> bird hat. I, I would actually like that as well. <laughs> that would be awesome. Yeah, the bird hat would be cool. Um, um, I'm really looking forward to this. I Again, we we did not hold back, and I, I feel it was justified when we talked about it last week and the things that they fucked up on. And clearly they've heard a lot of that from a lot of people. So it was just kind of let's repair this with goodwill. And for the most part, I think that's in there. And, and I'm looking forward to some of it. Um, there's some of it I'm not as crazy about, and we'll get into that as you're going through the, the items that they talked about. But for the most part, I'm seeing a lot of positive, but it's nothing that is that extraordinary that I'm like, and I'm talking about the, the quality of life improvements. I'm not talking about the actual DLC, clearly story-wise and things like that. But quality of, of life improvements and their their roadmap of where they're heading in the next couple of years. And nothing really struck me as, oh, holy fuck, this is amazing. And I'm glad they're going to be doing that. It was more like, oh, okay, these are going to be 
for the most part, nice things, quality of life improvements, but nothing that really floored me, not even the Masterworks weapon things. In fact, that's one of the things that I kind of have a problem with. But yeah, it, it was just kind of, okay, this is good. I, I like where we're heading. So as long as the content of the the expansion is, is worthwhile, the actual story and things like that, then I'm all on board. I think it'll be awesome. So I will start with that, with the Masterworks uh, weapons, because that is something I'm actually excited for. Um, as a year one player, like random rolls on legendaries was a thing that I did not care for. But now at this stage in the game, like I do kind of miss those, you know, a variety of perks that can be found on your guns. I just wish it was, you know, a little bit cleaner about the, some of the way it could be implemented. And I think that this is a nice balance between no, uh, no randomization on final guns, but basically uh, starting at power level 250, excuse me, light level 250 uh, chances for uh, masterwork uh, legendary items will start to drop and you can de de um, deconstruct them in order to buy legendary mods or other mod components that would, um, or then use them to infuse other guns to become masterwork weapons. And there will be a variety of uh, variable perks to be placed on all of them. So it's like a return to a destiny one sort of era, which is one hell of one hell of a percent uh, of a confusing and difficult stance for the community. But I think it's, I think at this point, having played for so long, it's not necessarily the, the end of the world because there is something cool about getting the gun that has the exact awesome perks that you want when it drops. See, I don't like one of my graves. Yeah. See, I don't like the, the randomization at all. And the only thing that saves this for me is the fact that you can take them off and slap them on another gun. To me, that yeah. is, that makes it worthwhile and something that's like, oh, okay, it's just going to be a perk to put on a favorite weapon kind of thing. But that's pretty much it for me. See, for me, what what made it uh, awesome was that the only guns that were static were the exotics, and that was to showcase how rare they were, and it, it gave them a different feeling. They were also, they felt a little bit more powerful. It's not to say that I think we should nerf Mida or Merciless. I'm just saying, like, it, there was a distinct difference between the two uh, categories of legendary and exotic, other than you can't equip more than one in a slot. Um but uh, Joe, you were saying something too about how you did not care for it. I don't like RNG in general because I, I'm a weird person in this regard. Like, don't don't get me wrong. When it, when it comes to like certain games, I don't necessarily mind it because it could force me to play a completely different way, or it could force me to uh, do something different. Like Diablo has always done that whether it was the rune drops set drops or, or legendary drops there's always something interesting that that could potentially make you play a different way the difference to me between like those games and destiny is destiny is incredibly focused in the characters like your characters while you have different subclasses they're not so many of them for each that you have such a wide variety so like if you say Let's say I, I really like playing my Void Hunter, and I do. I really enjoy it. It's a lot of fun. I've been having a blast with it. But if I keep getting shit and only shit for Ark, and I don't like playing as Ark, that's going to ruin my fucking day. Now, if I can turn them into something else, that makes it a little bit better. And if I can take a mob that gives me a perk that I really enjoy that, that fits well with my playstyle, I'm all about that. 
But in this particular game, for whatever reason, my mindset is very much on I have a style of gameplay that I like, and I like to stay inside of that bubble as much as possible. See, I'll oh, go that's you respectable. I get that. I'll go you one further if you don't mind. And and this stems also from a conversation that I, I kind of watched. I only gave my two cents at one point, and that was it. I stayed the fuck out of it. And that was somebody who was having such a big problems with RNG in, in Destiny 2, and they were new to the Destiny franchise. And the thing is, is that uh, shortly before that conversation was when Bungie said, listen, we're going to be fixing the Iron Banner and different faction events so that you will be able to buy different things with tokens later on. Not everything, but some of the things, because they understand the RNG was pissing people off. So here now they're tossing RNG onto RNG drops. And that's when that RNG inception begins to be too much for me. There should be one RNG, not two levels of it, and that determines what weapons you get. Again, I'm I'm all right with this because I'm seeing it as uh, an additional perk that you can kind of slap on different weapons. Though, uh, Marty, when you, I, I don't want to say dismantle, but extract the Masterworks thing, whatever the fuck they're calling it, from one okay. gun to put onto another, does it destroy the actual, are you dismantling the gun? That has it originally. If it works like the infusion mechanic, uh, yes, there isn't a lot of there. I don't see anything in the December, excuse me, in the last November update about that. Um, if it is infused, but given that's how it usually works in Destiny, I think that's a safe bet that the weapon is destroyed. Yeah, yeah that's what I figured as well. So you might be destroying what otherwise is a decent or even good weapon that you would want to hang on to, but you're going to wind up destroying it so that you can get just that masterworks to slap on another favorite gun that's kind of what i foresee happening and again it's just it's rng on top of rng i just i i don't that part i don't like see and all i know is that this turns into another cold heart situation for me i might need a new monitor because i'll punch my monitor what do you mean getting too many of them you mean or i've gotten 12 cold hearts oh yeah yeah i've gotten a fuck ton of them too yeah i know 12 fucking 12 of them they're yeah. all dismantling and infusing fodder for all the other guns and shit for me now, yeah. So uh, there will be uh, some rebalancing done to fix getting too many of the exotic that you already have, including a new type of engram called the Faded Engram, which you can purchase with Legendary Shards. Hey, for once, there's now a use for a Legendary Shard, uh, and it will decrypt as an exotic that you do not already have in your collection. So that is that is a good step That's called. That's called We're Sorry for Eververse. That's called, well, or, yeah, don't go back to the loot cave. <clears throat> uh, the return of the Three of Coin with a simplified rule set is also coming uh, by the December 12th patch. And what's interesting about all of these notes is that uh, Bungie, specifically uh, Luke Smith and another one of the lead team members, oh, Chris Barnett, they were pretty... Apologetic. Uh, I don't know if it's the best apology I've read, but they've been. <laughs> no, uh, it wasn't. No, it was well, not. <laughs> no, it's fine. I, I'm a bad judge of apologies. I, I have a very specific formula that I taught kids how to do. Um, and it doesn't fit. Wow, that sounded universe. creepy as fuck. <laughs> Wait, I'm a juvenile probation officer and I teach kids how to apologize to people. Yeah. <laughs> For the record, the majority of the research on the, that we get comes from your people. 
Wait, rotten. Canadians? What do you mean your <laughs> What do you mean Canadian? What Canadians? Canadians? <laughs> yeah. No, really? What? <laughs> yeah, really. What are you talking about? What? But there's a more research on juvenile justice occurs in Canada than in the United States. Oh, okay. Well. And on sex offenders. You know what I wonder? I wonder how much of that is actually happening in the world of uh, of destiny. Not a lot. Okay, let's fucking move on. <laughs> Sons of bitches. Um, the biggest thing, uh, there's been a couple new uh, emotes, and the launch trailer is also showcasing the new selfie emote, which is already being predicted as going to be one of the number one causes of death in the Crucible, which I'm very excited to see. Uh, and then there's going to be some changes to the mod economy as well, so that it's not as completely borked as it is right now. The system is just untenable. My mailbox is full of like blue mods and I don't yeah, know what to do. Yeah. But did it sound like they're actually making it better? Because from what I read with the changes they're going to be implementing, it doesn't sound like it's going to be better. It just sounds like it's going to be a lot more complicated. Like it just seems like a clusterfuck of a system right now or, and, and by the sound of what it's going to become as well. You know, I mean, I I thought it sounded better, but I just... Well, you think about it this way, honestly. And, and this is... I don't know if everybody else is doing the same thing as, as I am. But for the most part, you will never touch a blue mod. I never even equipped any on any of my... Uh, maybe one or two as I was leveling. Because you get to the purple so fucking fast. And you shove the legendary ones in. And so it just becomes a... a stack in three and then bejewel fucking bullshit of creating a legendary out of three. But then there is the mess, like you were saying at the going back and forth from the gunsmith to the mailbox. That's fucking fun. Thanks Bungie. But I, I mean, I don't switch between them. Yes. I have one set for void and for arc and solar and all that. But once you're set, that's pretty much it. Like it's just, for me, it's, it's a manner of putting a plus five and whatever um, element that you want that's it. There's they could easily do that with a system that's far less complicated than the mod system is what I'm getting at. Oh, I hear that. And you I mean, just limiting it to like a void set or excuse me, like void damage or arc or solar damage. Uh, I want to see different kinds of mods and I switch mods on a regular basis, but I'm just oh, yeah? full of blues and I just would like to be able to dissemble them so that they can like they're going to turn into gunsmith tokens so that I can get more different mods so that instead of having a bank vault full of useless mods that don't fit my play style, I can then buy something that might be a better fit for me. Um, and I try to run, you know, specific builds for each one of my three characters and each one of their three subclasses. So, See, for me, I think it's probably also because I tend to, um, like, I'll find a a set in terms of the look that I like, and then I'm constantly infusing that set with whatever drops unless the other set item looks significantly better kind of thing i have my my three sets and then i just keep infusing them so i only apply that plus five and the element of choice to them once and that's it and from that point on i'm just constantly infusing them so that's why for me the the mod system is such a waste of fucking time it's 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 I, I just find it poorly implemented for that kind of play style. Yeah, I've, I found it. I like to experiment to see how crunchy and how like 
specific I can get my build to be like uh, in D1. Right. I was really excited when I got to the tier 12, you know, basically all the, the stats added up to 12 kind of set. That was awesome for me. And this is fun, but I totally get what you're coming from because there are other games from like, this is stupid and I hate it. I, I think this is, again, a good middle ground. Um, and I, I think the most important part is that Bungie is committing to a, a form of transparency that we have not seen from them or that they kind of, I don't know, ruined with the, the bullshit regarding the uh, XP grind and um, how they're not being completely honest about some of the other stuff that they were, the, the loot box stuff that was going on uh, over at their company. So, yeah. And you guys, you guys have any other thoughts, feelings, questions about the DLC? Oh, there's one more thing I want to bring up. Faction armor, including more Iron Banner armor, Dead Orbit, Future War Cult, New Monarchy armor. Uh, that is what I'm super excited for. And I want a Future War Cult sword like you would not believe. That's just me. Have they shown any or concept art for one? There was so... New Monarchy got a sword yeah. last faction rally. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm talking so, about the future war call. No, I okay. mean, mono katanas for everybody. That would be my call if I was future <laughs> war call. And since I've been running with them, I think I, they should listen to me. So Bungie, Luke, baby, you listen to me. Mono katanas for everybody. That's the new rallying cry for future war call. The yeah. best cult. While you're listening to him, listen to me. Take a fucking momentum out of the Nightfall Strikes. That is the worst mechanic in the game right now. Bar none. Fucking hate it. It is not heroic at all to be running in figure eights to get your life back while your partners are actually doing shooting and killing things. I fucking hate that mechanic. Moving on. <laughs> I will keep saying that as long as it's in the fucking game. <laughs> hate that fucking mechanic. It's unbelievable how much I hate it. It's I can't so wait. infuriating. It's unbelievable. I can't wait for Destiny 3 where it's like the return of the momentum mechanic and Roger's just going to punch somebody in the face. Fuck that. I won't play the game. It'll be that simple. Okay. Was uh, there anything else, Destiny, that you wanted to cover? Uh, no, I just, I really want a faded engram and uh, 97 legendary shards. Not a lot of legendary shards when I'm deleting like so much shit now that I'm at 305. Hold on. You've only got 97 shards? No, 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 no. I've got like oh, okay. that's how much they cost. hundreds. Yeah, that's how much they cost. This, and the in the screenshot, it's 97. So oh. that's not a lot considering that every thing drops legendary shards at end game so yeah i've got over a thousand right now yeah all right well we will be discussing this clearly again next week because we are going to be getting the um curse of osiris literally tomorrow and so we're all going to be playing it and looking very much forward to it so that's gonna be awesome okay let's move on to some detroit become human because there was an not really an well a brief interview and a video with uh, cage discussing it that I found on the PlayStation site, and I found it super interesting. But Marty, you actually found out yet more from people that are kind of wigging out a little bit. Oh, so yeah, I ignore PlayStation exclusive games just because I don't want to be tempted to buy a PlayStation for X game plus the new Spider-Man game. Uh, but I went back and watched the videos from the 2012 Kara demo to every single video that has been put out for um, Detroit becoming human and watched David Cage's response saying like, 
the demo video is actually the beginning of Kara's storyline, Kara being one of the three playable characters uh, in Detroit becoming human. Um, I, I mean, this, so this is the first time I've really looked at this game and it's stunningly beautiful. And I love the idea of how your choices are actually going to play into certain outcomes within each scene that has a really cool, like old school pen and paper RPG feel to me for some reason, like, you know, you and your DM are going back and forth on what the scene looks like. And then all of a sudden it just flows and it works. Um, the stories, what also I found interesting is that one of the playable characters is voiced by Jesse Williams, for, former NFL star and actor and Black Lives Matter activist, which is important considering the story that he is going to be playing. Uh, and also super cop Blade Runner Connor, who's pretty bland, but was uh, bland in a very exciting kind of way, I guess. Um, the game itself, uh, the technology that they're talking about being perf basically performance capture based, where they're improving this quality of skin and hair and water and uh, lighting to give it as a realistic feel as possible. Um, and it doesn't go into Uncanny Valley for me, which I found fun. Uh, the idea is like, de this is a Detroit Becoming Human set 20 years in the future. Androids are purchasable and are usable. And each character is playing into this overarching narrative of what does it mean to be human? What is an android? What is synthetic life? Uh, what is freedom? Part of the problem, though, and this is where the European Union and, and the UK have gotten up into a bit of a tizzy, and also uh, Diaz from uh, uh, Vice basically saying, this is a game that, uh, that glorifies domestic violence and child abuse. Um, I don't necessarily think that's entirely fair just based off of a trailer. Uh, Diaz's article on Waypoint was uh, Waypoint Vice was a little bit more detailed, say, specifically citing David Cage's previous previous games like Beyond Two Souls and Heavy Rain that he doesn't have the chops to pull off this type of a complicated story. Um, the other side of this argument is uh, games are not art, so you shouldn't be doing this, which is an argument I reject out of hand because if you look at this game and what they're intending to do, it's clearly art. Um, but this is a, a story and a, a story that's worth telling is I have never played a David Cage game before. Is this a kind of guy who can pull off a story of this magnitude, of this depth? It doesn't boil down to one person. And that's one of the things I hate about these arguments. And that's one of the things I really hate about these, uh, specifically these types of articles, is because you can pin this all on one person, but it's not one person that writes a video game, not in most cases, and not something this large. There's going to be a team of people, and it's, is the team of people capable of doing that? Well, I don't know because the game's not fucking out yet. And until I see it, I can't pass judgment on it. Has he missed the mark in the past? Yes. Has every attempt gotten better than the one before it? Yes, I will give him that credit. But as far as this particular one goes, yes, it is ambitious. Yes, it, it has the potential to be a a very complicated set of storytelling. But until we have that story in our hands and until we see what the end product is, nobody can judge. You can't say anything yet until you can actually experience what they've written. I, I read through a bunch of those, the articles that you linked and 
We've talked a lot throughout the years about various abuses or different things like that that are in games and whether or not we feel they should be in it. Because it is very much a subjective thing of where you draw the line of what should be in entertainment or not. Like as as an example, we've said it many times over again, we all agree that sexual assault does not belong in a game, that you can allude to it and have just as gripping and fearful and an impactful a moment without actually showing it. And there's a lot of other things. And, and the thought of domestic abuse is another such element that some people will say you shouldn't put in there because it glorifies it, whereas others will say, it's not trying to glorify it. It's trying to portray it because it is, it happens. To which that same argument can be said about sexual abuse as well. So it's one of those things where you decide where you draw the line and how you feel it was done in said game. Was mm-hmm. it done in such a way that it's meant to horrify you and it does? Or is it used in such a way that it's just meant to titillate an audience? And titillate is not always just sexual. So that's where you have to really look at what was done in the game. This entirety of is Cage able to do this is, in my opinion, complete and utter bullshit. It is fucking ridiculous. And some of the arguments that were presented of, well, guess what? We're treating it like art and art has to be criticized and you have to be able to justify it. No, no, no. You had the first part right. Yes, you are entitled to criticize it as art to determine what what you thought of it and if it's worth it for anybody else. But the creators don't owe you jack shit. Their Mm -hmm. job is to put something out, whether it's a painting, a book, a game, whatever. The only reason they justify it is because they have to for marketing purposes so that they can push the game to sell more things. But in actuality, they don't owe you jack shit. They're creating art and they're putting it out there. What you think of said art once you, in this case, play it, that's up to you to decide. And yes, you can, of course, review it, slam it, do whatever the fuck you want, but they don't owe you nothing. So this comp and I read that time and time again, like he owes them an explanation. He does not owe them shit. And like Joe said, he's far from the only one who worked on this. When you look at the the, the massive amount of writing that would have gone into this game mm-hmm. for the multitude of different paths that you can choose. <laughs> if they think that he, he even had a guiding hand over all of it, they're fools. It's, it's impossible. There's too much there. See, I, I'm just, and, and that's the other thing yeah. that bothers me too about it because, because it's a game and this is a, something that bothers me with this type of review about this type of game is there are so many different branching paths. There are so many different experiences that what you do affects that outcome. Now, depending on what this person does, yeah, they're diff- their, their experience is going to be different than, than mine or yours or whoever because we're all going to react differently. Or you could just be Vince and murder everybody on the fucking screen. But you, it's really hard to criticize or to break down that particular type of game unless you want to put hundreds of hours into exploring every single interactive path so even with that you have to take that with a small grain of salt 
at the at, at the very least and acknowledge that what you experience is going to be completely different or potentially completely different than the person sitting directly next to you playing the same game because of the choices they make. The thing is for me too, and I'll say this one last thing and then Marty, you can keep going, is I'm floored by how judgmental they are and quick to leap to something based on what little we saw in that trailer. That that and the implied pedigree that Cage has is enough to say, no, he's not going to do right by it. Fuck you. You have no clue. I'm sorry. It may may seem harsh, but I was like reading that going, you fucking idiots. Like you're you're literally you're someone's trying to create something and you're shitting on it before it's even out because you think they're not going to handle it properly. That's bullshit. And they should not be that. The fact that somebody can push that kind of bullshit and gain traction because of this is, to me, insulting. And one last thing I'll say, and then I'll, I'll stop, too. It also read as somebody who brokers no room for anybody to ever improve or grow up yep. or grow as a human being. We all fucking make mistakes. We all, you know, fail to hit a mark once in a while. And if you tell me that you've never failed at something, you're a fucking liar. And the fact that it presents it as he's not capable of this at all. He doesn't have the capacity for it. He can never do this is just shitty. Super, super shitty. So one of the things from that article that, uh, that, excuse me, one second. Just had to clear the frog out of my throat. One of the issues that I took away was uh, from the Waypoint article specifically was that Cage using the domestic abuse and the, the, the child abuse angle as a way to create empathy and to make it moving. Um, I do, we don't know what the story is going to be. I'll, I'll say that much. And I don't know David Cage's work and ability. And I do agree with you both. I do think a person has, you've got to make the art. And if this is not a game that works for you, then just, you don't get it. Um, I do worry about a question of intent versus impact, and we aren't going to know that until we play the game. So, it, but uh, what I'm the other part that I, I'm struck by, not just by our conversation, but also the articles, is that once again we're living uh, in a culture where it's you are it's it's a light switch culture, right? It's uh, outrage or total acceptance, and nothing in between. And I'm struggling with this because I don't know near enough about it. I find it to be a conversation worth having because this is a, this is a topic. And I don't watching these videos. There was nothing titillating about this, these nope. situations. Like the other thing yeah. too is the, and, and you, you, you mentioned it when you're saying how, uh, cause in part of the, the, I can't remember which one it was. I read, cause I read, I read all of them, but um, they were talking about, talking to him about why it's in there and and he was saying how the story kind of moves in, in its own natural rhythm i'm paraphrasing and then yeah you kind of see where the story takes you and whatnot but of course you also want to be driving a narrative to to get people and to elicit emotional reactions from people and some of the the reactions to that were along the lines of well shame on you for using this to elicit that kind of response and i'm thinking have you again if you're going to talk about games as art, which they were doing, then are you saying that there should not be any domestic abuse in any television, in any movies, in any anything else? Because then where do you draw the line? 
Because if it's not that, then what else? And again, I know that's hypocritical because I feel that way about sexual assault. So it's where you draw the lines. But, the only the other thing is, that I'll say about that, just one second, because you know me, me, I'll lose this. <laughs> it's gone. <laughs> I'll have my John Mayer moment. Um, the only thing that I will say about this, and and this is where, again, I draw from from personal experience. Not, I'm not going to talk about any history or anything, but as a writer, okay, I am currently trying. It's, it's it's hard when you're high on fucking pain meds all the time. But my son and I have been working on a novel together. And we're kind of trading off chapters from different uh, viewpoints and whatnot. And I've talked to Joe about this over, over the, the months now as we've kind of been working on it. But one of the characters, the lead character, is someone that has been abused from childhood. Has been abused. And that leads to some very bad things. But we're not presenting it in a titillating way. We're presenting it in a very honest way. And yes, it drives the story, but that's because that person went through that. And so I don't see the portrayal of such things as wrong. I don't think that we should not be able to do it. It is clearly how you do it that then will determine whether or not there's any value to the work that you're putting out. So in looking at it from a very personal thing from both my son and I working on this, I'm like, fuck you guys. Like, you know, I want to say you got no right to say this, but they do have a right to be jackasses and we got a a right to call them on it. And that's how I feel about it. It's And again, it's one thing to say, I did not enjoy this. I did not find this to be that X, Y, Z, because at the end of the day, you draw your own line in the sand, you know, your own limits, but I am a person who survived a household of abuse. And I'm going to tell you guys this right now. I want representation. I want something that shows how impactful something like this is and not have it like glossed over. This type of stuff is important to me and that it's not done in a, a, a tantalizing way that it's not done just as a, a gotcha or a gasp thing that it has that that it has meat that it has impact that it has it shows how impactful these things are whether it's you know 10 minutes from the event to 10 years from the event and any game that does that that's ambitious because it's a hard fucking thing to capture and what and whether or not they do that successfully i will judge that when that game comes out but for anybody to say that that doesn't belong in a video game that doesn't belong in art fuck off Seriously, because that's not a valid criticism. That's a fucking crusade, and I will fight you. Which is pretty much the take of the United Kingdom, and, you know, I don't, for a variety of reasons, that I don't agree with that point. At least let's start from the point where this is art. I'm extremely interested to see where Marcus's story goes. Yeah. Um, less so Connor, but definitely Marcus. Um, and just one last thing about the domestic abuse with the little with the little girl um, from what I saw, it struck me as like, this is a kid that's lived with domestic violence and domestic abuse for a very long time. Yeah. Just, you know, all the warning signs for me were there a uh, long, like just when they walked in the door, it was very clear to me. Oh yeah. It was, there. It was totally telegraphed. So, but it was, that's the thing. Like it was presented in a way that was familiar. And I, it, it was one of those things where like good or bad, it was there in a way that was familiar, not Oh, let's just show, you know, this person or this kid or this 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 woman getting beaten to death with like, you know, a, a switch or or whatever. 
it, but the signs are there for somebody who uh, would recognize him. It's the same thing that I gave credit to Hellblade for in their, yes. in the way that they researched the, the psychoses and, and presented it and made it a concerted effort to not do it in a fantastical way uh, beyond the confines of the game, but to show it in subtle ways that were meaningful, right? And that somebody who had suffered these moments, who had had these moments would say, I identify with that. Okay. That's what I got from this. I, it's really too bad that you don't have a PS4, which is not me encouraging you to go pick one up, but just because I actually would be curious about your thoughts on it, Marty, once it comes out, if 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 you thought it was well handled or not. Because we all have mm. our experiences and our histories and whatnot, and, and like, I mean, I've raised four kids and the grandkids working on those too, but you've worked with children and, and troubled children as well for, how long have you been doing this work? 18 years. Yeah. So there's a, a, a breadth of experience there that you have, which I think would be very nice to not nice, but interesting to tap into for this game in particular. You'll have to watch some streams and tell us. I what think you're I will. F- I fuck that. I'm just going to show up at Marty's doorstep. I got to head out there next year anyway, at some point. <laughs> oh shit, dude. There's a bar that I've already planned on taking you to. Let's go. Let's show up. Scott. Will, will, will they let us look at the PS4 at the bar? Cause if so, we're never leaving. <laughs> okay. All right. Might. Let's move on from there. We are, we're still in full switch mode. And now as of late, Joe and I have been passing videos back and forth (laughs) for the newest ones coming out next year and what to be excited for. And, and there's a lot of them before we get into that. And before we get into the uh, announcement that literally just dropped a few hours ago that I know Joe's excited about, I will (laughs) say one thing. I picked up Battle Chef Brigade. We talked about this a while back when I noticed it in the uh, the store, the e-store, when it was coming soon, and I did wind up picking it up. I fucking adore this game. I did not realize it was done by a studio, and you said Chicago, right, Joe? Yeah, they're in Chicago. I I was playing it thinking this is the most anime thing I've ever fucking played in my whole <laughs> life because they're like doing the Ace Ventura like pointing and and large gestures. The voice acting is like boisterous and over the top, but in a way that just works. And then the animation is amazing. The the animation actually has almost of a uh, a pen and watercolor feel to it. Actually, it's yeah. just absolutely stunning, beginning to end. The game is actually—I thought I was going to be getting something that was primarily puzzle matching kind of thing. Um, no, 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 no. There is more story in this than everything else. So you're constantly talking to people, investigating, figuring shit out. And, and whatnot, a lot of talking to people. And then you have the the hunting where you go off and you kill your whatevers, including a fucking dragon. That motherfucker takes a while. And then you take the meats and the different plant things and, and everything else, and you then run the fuck back to the kitchen. And more often than not, this is where the game gets interesting, though. And, and I give it credit for 
implementing different systems together to create something that's that's fun and a little bit unique. Because as an example, if I'm doing a duel against somebody else, you find out what the judges are looking for. So picture your gems, your red, green, blue, and whatnot. And each one is going to say, I really want to taste fire in this recipe. And again, as crazy as it fucking sounds, there's stadiums full of people here cheering on the chefs as they're cooking and killing shit. So they'll tell you what they're looking for. And then there's also a... Uh, you have to make sure to use this meat or this plant in your cooking. Then you're off to the fucking races. You're running off to the side, killing shit, running back and forth and 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 dropping off your 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 loot essentially because you can only carry so much. And this is where some of the like micromanaging comes in because you like go out, kill a bunch of stuff, come back. And instead of just shelving the stuff, you'll put some of it in the, you can get like different cookers, like slow cookers and shit and all kinds of stuff and cutting boards. So you'll set up a slow cooker and set up some of the gems in there to cook so that they get better. Go out, kill more shit, come back and then work on those. And instead of using more of a bejeweled system, it's more of a Tetris system. So you're more moving them before you drop them, then you're matching and whatnot and different skillets or Ovens or different things will cook differently. You can get an oven that you only need two blues to make a super gem and things like that. So you're kind of planning out beforehand. And then you got perks for your combat and also perks that will make you cook better. It's just a ton of fun. And it reminded me very much of when we had our crazy Japanese shit episode where I was talking about Honey Pop and saying, if yes. it wasn't for the juvenile and misogynistic nature of the stupidity of the, 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 the game, the game mechanics, however, and being able to use different elements and different things and whatnot is genius. I love it. I want to see more of it. And that's what this is. The only thing is, is that it's less, like I said, bejeweled, like, like Honey Pop is, and more of Tetris, which I prefer the Bejeweled over the Tetris, but once you get the hang of this, you can see how it works a little bit better because it does require more skill in your quote-unquote recipes. As you're doing shit, you need to be able to move things to the top or the bottom based on what the judges like and things like that. So there's a level of complexity to it that is actually surprising, especially if there's a couple of judges, because now you're making a couple of dishes and things like that. So I adore this fucking game. I'm a, I, I'm at the halfway mark in terms of the, I don't know if they're called chapters or whatever, but I just passed the halfway mark now. And I've only had a couple of technical problems, which kudos to the fucking game devs for replying like that on Twitter about it. So they're obviously working on it constantly to, to iron out those bugs, but nothing but praise for this game. I literally, you heard me praising a lot of the other games that I've gotten that I've been playing on the switch and whatnot. That's all I've been playing. Like literally I'm not even playing Odyssey. All I've been playing is fucking wow. battleship brigade and adoring it adoring it great great game yeah it's on my list it's one of those games i and again tart apparently knows somebody who did animation for it um yeah it's, so. it's the animation is beautiful just gorgeous like i again I, i'm i'm married to an artist so i've seen her paint in all kinds of different medium draw charcoals you name it she's done it and so i kind of can see some of the influences in this and it just looks 
beautiful. It's a gorgeous looking game. The the voice work is fantastic. The music, everything, and then and the the actual gameplay, every element of it, from the little exploring and talking to people to the hunting. The hunting is a little bit more simple, but it's still fun to kind of. It if brings you, up the monotony. Well, not just that, but you kind of. Once you get uh, used to it a little bit more, you kind of know, oh, those plants are going to drop this and this. I don't need that. Oh, if I drop this meat, the bird will pick it up and plop out an egg, and that egg will give me extra points to be able to get something. Or if you go to the very end, there's a dragon, but he takes a long time to kill. So are you sure you want that dragon meat? And there's a whole bunch of different elements like that where, while, yes, a little bit more simple still can have quite a bit of complexity to it if you do micromanagement to to micromanage that that the hunting in order to uh pay off at the cooking stage which again sounds fucking ridiculous <laughs> but for whatever reason it just works in this game adore it I just, absolutely I just adore love it. the fact that it's like fantasy battle cook chopped like oh, which is one dude, of my favorite shows on the food network why aren't people doing this is what i was thinking like i am amazed that this is not an actual reality tv show right dude. now Seriously, watch Chopped. Is that what it is, basically? Basically, what they do with Chopped is, like, not only do they do, like, mystery ingredients and shit like that, but then Alton Brown, who's one of my favorite people ever, uh, comes up with random things that people can bid on to make their opponents do that changes how they cook, whether it's, you know, oh, you can only cook using this, like, set of children's toys or whatever the case is. Oh, but they're not going out and hunting whatever they're cooking. Because I would think they're... See, that's the thing. Some of the episodes, they did. Really? Okay. (laughs) See, I I was thinking about it. I think the only reason they wouldn't do it is because people would kind of wig out about the... the, the, It's not... It kind of would be kind of trophy hunting because you're killing it just for a show to be able to then um, cook it. But I mean, fuck, they drop people out in the wilderness with no clothes on and they're hunting shit to survive. So how is it any different? I don't know. They they did something similar with that, with like, with certain things. I thought it was really entertaining, but like, I'm seeing you, you talk about this game. I'm like, this is just, this is like an episode of Chopped. It's awesome. Chopped with dragons. I'll I'll stop there, but man, it is a fun, addictive is kind of like, it's, I think if there was a lot more puzzle matching, then you would be addicted to just, just that. But it's not. It's just fun to, okay, I'm going to bounce in, and I am I only have so much time. So there's three shops that you can go to, one that has kind of dailies for hunting, one for figuring out intricate matching, and one that just teaches you speed. So I'm just going to go in, I'll do that, I'll get some money, and I'm done, or whatever kind of thing. But there's there's a path for you based on how much time you have to spare and you can do any number of things. It, it's just a very good little game. And for like just over 20 bucks, holy fuck, people. Don't wait for a sale. Just pick it up. That's what I did. Okay, now you can keep going. I feel better. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm never going to deny you talking about a game you love, man. Uh, speaking of games we love, well, I'm going to talk about the announcer that just dropped a little bit ago. Because uh, holy fuck, Capcom might have gotten their head out of their ass. Oh, my God, about fucking time. Because, ladies and gentlemen, we got an announcement today of something that I've been waiting a very, very long time for. Mega Man 11 is coming, and it is coming very, very soon. It'll be out, well, I I should say say soon, within a year, uh, in time for the 30th anniversary of Mega Man. And I'm not talking about Mega Man X. I'm talking about Mega Man 11, just like we had 9 and 10 released for, um, like, the old Nintendo systems, or at least Wii 
uh, we're getting that style of game, which is uh, 2.5D is the best way I can explain it. There's 3D elements in the, the 2D platforming, and it is fucking Mega Man. It is legitimately Mega Man, and it is coming to all the consoles in PC, and those consoles include, well, the Switch is one of them, because Mega Man has to fucking come home to Nintendo, baby, and it's coming. Oh my god, I lost my goddamn mind when I saw this. I have been dying for a Mega Man game for so long, and we're finally getting it. Yeah, I wish it Vince looked was awesome. Here to yell with me. Oh, so, dude, he was. I saw him on Twitter. I I saw him say, "I can hear Joe screaming from here," and I'm going, "He's talking about Mega Man, isn't he?" I hadn't even read the fucking <laughs> announcement. And it was like, did they make an announcement about Mega Man? And then I checked, and I was like, "Yep." <laughs> <laughs> We've been working too fucking long, buddy, together. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, you say too long, I say just enough. But oh my god, I've been and this is like coming to, to for those of you that don't know, I have been playing like German and Japanese clones of Mega Man just so I can get my Mega Man fixed because I I, I have been in withdrawal for so long. But yeah, that it looks so exciting, and the fact that it's coming to the Switch—I I mean, I'm buying it on the Switch. There's no doubt in my yeah. my damn mind. Yeah, I, I will too, actually. It, and it looked really fucking good too. Like I really liked what I saw from that trailer. The visuals look great. The yep. the art style looked fantastic. The colors yep. looked great, which is a big thing for me. One of the problems that some of the Mega Man games, especially Mega Man um, Nine and Ten, is while they were really really cool, the colors were very muddy. Um, so having it be very vibrant is important to me. I like yeah. those type of palettes. I agree. Now, that's not the only games that are going to be coming out. And I'm not going to talk about a bunch of the ones that are are sort of we've already covered a bunch of times. But there's some surprise announcements or at least rumors of games coming out and, and soon for the Switch. Um, I'll start with some of the bigger kind of announcement-y type things first. Uh, first of all, is going to be a live event happening on December 12th, which is very, very specifically for Breath of the Wild. It is a Breath of the Wild live event. Uh, it was announced on the official Japanese Zelda site. Uh, it's going to be an event held by Nico Nico, and it's going to be nothing but Breath of the Wild. Um, we don't know what the content of it is yet, but it seems very interestingly timed because we're supposed to get the Champions DLC right at the before the end of this year and December 12th. Well, that's before the end of this year. So we're, we're kind of curious if this is going to be that whole DLC. And if they're doing a whole event for it, we're wondering how big that DLC is. Yeah. No kidding. Because the first DLC wasn't, wasn't too big. Like the trials of the sword are really, really cool. And it's like sort of like a challenge level where like you go deeper into the dungeon and you keep going deeper, deeper, deeper. Um, without your master sword and you have to use your wits and everything to get it. it's a really cool concept but it's not really needy enough to be called an expansion but this i'm really curious now they're also doing something called uh the fans voice or player's voice uh, which is going to have the hosts reading fan submitted messages stories and memories about their time playing the game that's all we know so far but wow that's that's interesting. That's that's intriguing. Yeah. I actually, that's, I need to get on that. I I still haven't fucking started the game. I own it. I bought it. And I still haven't actually started. There's always something else to play on the damn device already. It is, it is one of the best gaming experiences I've had in the last decade. Between that and Odyssey, like, if you want to see how open world games are done right, that's them right there. Yeah. They, they reward exploration. They, it, 
I can go on about them for hours. I'm not going to, but if su- suffice to say, if you haven't played Breath of the Wild, now is damn well the time to do it. Now, they're not the only one holding a special event, which is also intriguing. Bandai Namco is holding a special event uh, with a tweet from Marcus Sellers, who is uh, he's a, a journalist for uh, Switch Nintendo type stuff. Um, Bandai Namco is going to do an event that's going to announce five unannounced games that are going to be shown off during the event, one of which is rumored to be a brand new IP. Uh, and they stated that Nintendo is going to have a huge presence at the event. Uh, so I'm really curious. And some people have been speculating that, oh, you know, this is going to be like Bloodborne or or, or uh, Dark Souls. I don't know. But this really is, Dark Souls. I, oh, I think it's only a matter of time before they slot that on there. I, I don't know, because I don't know if that's something that they're they're going to put on there yet. Or and this is the other thing. Bandai Namco and From Software have been very quiet. I'm wondering if we're going to get a new game of that sort of universe because Dark Souls 3 is done. That was the end of that story. Bloodborne was a self-contained thing with its its DLCs, but they've been busy. We know that they've been working on something. They just haven't said shit. And I'm wondering, I am super fucking curious if we're going to get a brand new IP set in that type of game that's going to be coming to the Switch. Now, we talked about how it's important for games to do well. Dragon Ball Z or Dragon Ball Xenoverse 2 did incredibly well on the Switch. Like sold like fucking hotcakes. And Bandai Namco realized this. This is what happens, folks. When you buy those games, they pay attention and they put more games on there. I'm really excited to see what the fuck this is. Yeah. Now, we got a bunch of other stuff, too, uh, coming specifically for the Switch. I'm just going to highlight some of my favorites real quick. Uh, First was one that I actually got confirmation from the game studio on Twitter because I couldn't believe it. Like, it was a rumor, and I was like, this can't be real. And I tweeted them and said, can you you please tell me that this is is real? They're like, oh, yeah, no, it's real. Enter the Gungeon is going to be coming to the Switch. Yeah. Which makes me so happy. Um, Darkest Dungeons actually coming to the Switch. Hollow Knight. Dude, Darkest um, Dungeon looked fantastic on there. Oh, oh yeah, dude. The, the art style works absolutely fantastically yeah. for it. And have been able to carry it with you. Fucking come on. It's yeah. beautiful. If I didn't already, I picked it up for the uh, the iPad. If I Because uh, I already had it for the PC, but Tristan wanted to play it on the iPad, so I picked it up. If I didn't already have it for the iPad, I'd, I'd definitely pick it up for the Switch. Because, man, it would look gorgeous on there. And I plan on picking it up for the Switch, even though I own it for the PC. Because, well, <laughs> yeah. I want more games for it. Yeah. Uh, Hollow Knight is another game. Uh, it's an indie type game that was out for the PC, and I believe it was Xbox Live. Might have been PS4. Uh, but it's a Metroidvania that I, I, I absolutely adored and I droned out about uh, several episodes ago. That's coming to the Switch, which oh, dude. excites I, me. I played that on PC, and it is... I didn't finish it, though. But it's, they're not joking. I read some of the, I was watching some of the streams where they were talking about it and saying, like, it's fucking brutal. It really kind of is. <laughs> but it is super brutal. It is, it is so spectacularly beautiful in how it implements that world that mm-hmm. it, it's one of those few games where I tell people, ah, even if you're not into that type of game, give it a shot. You might realize that you kind of are. And even if you're not, it's worth it just to play it for a while. Just drop the difficulty setting and play it because it's so beautiful, especially with that limited palette in what it does. 
is just breathtaking. I it's it's a it's a a game that I encourage people to definitely try. As do I. Uh, there's also some other games uh, that are are they've been around, but having them on the Switch just makes sense. Like uh, Tangle Deep, uh, which is a roguelike dungeon crawler, but it's done in the 16-bit era of games, not the 8-bit. So we're talking like Sega Genesis, Super Nintendo-style era, uh, which is really, really cool. And from what I've seen from it, I think it's currently in early access on PC. Uh, it is a very fun game. Everybody that I know that has played it has had nothing but glowing things to say about it. So I'm excited for that to be on the Switch just because, again, RPGs on Nintendo, it's like my childhood right back again. So I can't fucking wait for that. Uh, another interesting one, and we talked about this way long ago, um, but a lot of people may have forgotten about it. It's Crawl. It's a two-player dungeon crawler with a twist. One player plays the hero. The other one plays the dungeon, where you actually take control of the monsters and you try to kill the hero. And if you kill the hero, you take over as the hero. And it's a competitive multiplayer game where the two of you are trying to outdo the other. And it's a really cool concept. Plays incredibly well uh, right now on PC. And having something like this on... The Switch just makes perfect sense. The Switch is quickly becoming one of my favorite multiplayer systems. Really? Yes. Like I've I have taken it. I've taken it with me to work actually, uh, as one of those things where like you know my employees have caught up with stuff and we'll sit and we'll play like Mario or you know any of the, the other games that I have that are, are two players. Um, Snipper Clips is an absolute riot, uh, but like stuff like that. It, it, it's it, it's fun because. You have the controllers there. Even if you just take the tablet and the Joy-Cons, you always are set up for at least two players on a vast majority of these games. And that's a really cool idea. So I'm all about that. Um, an intriguing one that came up was the Infection Madness, which it looks like it's a, a story mystery style game, almost where you're trying to figure out what happened with your patients and cure them. But there's not a whole lot on it. It just looks really, really intriguing, and it's done with real-life video. Uh, so not not rendered. We're talking full-motion video, which is really... We haven't had anything like that in a while. Um, so that looks cool. Um, looks like we're getting some more Telltale games. So Guardians uh, is going to be coming to the Switch, which, great. I think Telltale games should definitely go to the Switch. God, yeah. And makes me really hopeful for The Wolf Among Us 2. Because I really want that on there. Oh, dude, I haven't even thought of that. Yeah, shit, yeah. That would be amazing on that thing. Right? Um, and a surprise game for me that I was actually really, really excited for, Pinball FX3. <laughs> I used to love the old school pinball games, and I used to play them all the time on Nintendo. They weren't exactly the greatest thing, but I couldn't go to the arcades, so I would have those. And over the years, they got more complicated and, and better, and this just looks like a really cool evolution with a bunch of different IPs. So you have your Marvel stuff, your you have all of your like Indiana Jones, you have your Star Wars sets. It looks really, really cool. I was very surprised. Well, I mean, the device will, I mean, would be good for that. I don't know that it's something that would interest me, but I can see certainly how it would appeal to others. Yeah. So, and that's what really picked, or really highlighted to me. There's some other ones on there that we've talked about before, like Moonlighter. Moonlighter is a game that I'm really Dude, interested in. Dude, I was literally just going to say, okay, before you close off, <laughs> Moonlighter for one is, well, depending on price, must buy immediately. Even if it's not the best, the concept alone is one that has me hooked. It's like, that's genius. 
why didn't why haven't we seen this already kind of deal so i mean i the, i kind of wish the art style was a little better but it's going to survive on charm so and i'm i'm cool with that that and and i know that Faye's going to be on everything yeah but I'm likely to pick it up on this just so that it's yet another thing that I can play on this device and the colors look gorgeous on it. So I'm, that'll be, that'll be a great one to play on this. Yeah. So that wanna... one looked really good too. I'm sorry, Marty. I got one more that I was actually kind of interested in too, which was fury. Um, I like bullet hell style games and the concept of having a bullet hell style, uh, almost souls like game intrigues the hell out of me. So I'm kind of curious how that's going to go. Um, and I know that's going to be on a bunch of different systems, but depending on how it handles it, that's another type of game that I would really, really love to have on the Switch. Go ahead, Marty. So I want to jump back to the Mega Man 11 announcement because uh, holy fucking shit. Like if I had known this was coming, I don't think the present Shane and I would have gotten for us would have been what it was. It would have been the fucking Switch. So <laughs> son of a bitch. <laughs> I wasted significant portions of my grade school and parts of my high school years when I was like just bored as fuck playing so much Mega Man. It's my favorite, one of my favorite series of like NES games. And I don't want to play it on an Xbox. I don't want to play it on PC. I want to play it on a Nintendo like I did when I was, you know, 10. And now I'm going to be able to do that again and play the Mega Man X games. This, this needs to happen. Like, I'm so excited for this. I cannot wait to play Mega Man starting with number one and just playing and not going to work until I've beaten every single game until I reach 11. Okay. I'm noticing a pattern here, Marty. <laughs> <laughs> Been noticing you in Stellaris all the fucking time too. So I was like, yeah, yeah. I'm noticing a pattern uh, here. <laughs> let's, let's be honest. Uh, the, currently the psychically awakened human uh, empire is about to go crush some plant zombies cause they're fucking with Liberty. So I got to go crush them. So you're but doing yeah. a lot better this time around is what you're saying. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm flying the USS roundup to shoot those zombie weeds in the face. Awesome. All right, oh, yeah. Joe, ever so briefly, let's touch on Warcraft because you were talking about the, uh, that you, you linked that video. So we got the new raid coming out and now there's the new end cinematic. And I just wanted to talk a little bit about um, not so much the cinematic itself, but I had a realization this weekend where I will give Legion a little bit of credit for this. It, in, especially in the last sort of few months, the amount of story cinematics we have gotten far outnumbers anything we have gotten previously. And we're talking like in, in re- like respect of entire expansions, which is crazy to me. And they've gotten so much better as far as where they're pointing the story and what they're doing with things, as well as setting things up for the next expansion. And the the last sort of cinematic that we see now, but while Argus is coming to a close and we're getting ready for the next expansion, it's really well done. We actually get to see uh, the entire Titan Pantheon, which has never been heard of before, um, which I think is really cool because it's a, it's also got a bunch of callbacks to some of the older games. It, it's just a note that I have been very impressed with the cinematics team, and that alone makes... Uh, me very happy that we're we're getting sort of the quality that we're getting. 
So basically, Asteroth is getting a sword down the middle? Kinda. Uh, there's a lot of interesting potential lore implications of it, because in lore... Well, there's Starter, a lot of implications, period, of a sword piercing a well, planet. <laughs> well, not just a planet, it's a titan. She's a titan. Azeroth is a titan, we know that. And that's where the Well of Eternity got created, was when they ripped an old god out of the surface of the titan. Like, that's titan blood. That's what the well, the water of the Wells of Eternity is. And so, like, now we have a, another titan artifact of unprecedented power stabbed into a planet that, that is a titan. There's some weird, wacky shit that's going down. And I, I like the fact that it's sort of we have no idea. And this is one of the first times going into an expansion. We don't know the ramifications of everything we just fucking did. And I kind of like. Interesting. OK, still not interesting to get me in, but certainly more power to everybody who is. That's all I got. All right, with that, we are actually going to call it a wrap. Thank you very much for listening. There's going to be yet another Professor Pogue uh, feature at the end of this. Marty, what's it going to be on? I don't know yet. I think it's probably going to be on, like, the factions or the Iron Lords, one or the other. So you're I'm still like, invested is what you're saying. <laughs> I'm 100% invested, 100%. I just, I've got to look at my, my notes and what, you know, what do I need to talk about? Like, you know, more Vex stuff? Maybe uh, more Vex stuff. Actually, folks, you know what? If you'd like to see specific things, specific lessons, drop Marty a line at Officer Gleason on um, on Twitter and let him know. Because, uh, yeah, eventually he's going to run out of shit to talk about. <laughs> so you can check out the show notes at ForTheLore.com. You can find us on Twitter at ForTheLore or individually Joey is LoaderZJ, Vince is Simodian. Marty is Officer Gleason, like I said, and I am at Zen Buddhist. You can also find us on iTunes and Stitcher and leave us your thoughts and comments there. And with that, we will talk to you guys next week. All right, students. Over the past couple of weeks, we have delved into the sword logic, the fallen pirates. We're going to talk about the Taken, but not today. Um, they were hinted at when we talked about the Hive, and we've talked about the Vex. And now we need to talk about an enemy uh, that we have yet to face, but that, according to rumor and some contact, is still out there. But we have to take a step back. Uh, quick civics lesson. Who in here knows what the ruling body of the city is called? Anyone? Anyone? Loader? Loader? Um, right. No one knows. The name is the consensus. It is a body, a political body, um, the political wing of the city. Whereas the Vanguard organizes the Guardians to help keep us safe. The consensus uh, with its allies in Owl Sector, which is like our police force, help address and keep the city running. Um, as part of this, uh, factions are allowed to join the consensus in order to help lead. Uh, there's a benefit to them in the sense that they get power. Everybody likes power, as it turns out, whether it's the light or political power. Uh, after the faction wars, which in the early days of the city was a horrific event where guardians uh, in a pre-Vanguard state, where guardians and risen 
uh, and other heroes with the light and anti-heroes with the light uh, fought in the streets of the city to see which faction would lead, whether it was Dead Orbit or New Monarchy or Future War Cult, those bizarros. Including another faction called the Concordant. The Concordant led by Lysander, uh, who I believe is a guardian, one of the few that is actually a guardian. He was expelled from the city. All, uh, all material referencing the Concordat has been either erased or kept in a very classified sense. And this should have faded off into legend a long time ago. Long before some of you were born or rebooted. Here's the problem. We have had some contact with Lysander since, uh, before the Red War, certain members and certain guardians were able to uh, acquire a Concordat-sponsored Sparrow for Sparrow racing and also just for tooling around like guardians do, like maniacs riding a jet engine. So, what made Alexander so bad? What was the problem? Their idea was given that their ideology has been confiscated, cons uh, hidden, uh, classified. We don't actually know what their true ideology was. However, we do know that the Concordat, which was uh, fairly well armed, and uh, Future War Cult was not a member of the consensus at this time, and only New Monarchy was ready, uh, the Concordat attempted to overthrow the speaker of that era. This is the problem. We don't know what they did. We do know that they are still there. Hidden intelligence strongly suggests that they're planning something. And we know hidden intelligence are saying that because that's what everyone keeps talking about, that Lysander and his concordat are coming. Throughout human history, uh, the worst enemies humanity has ever had to deal with have been humans. Well, now that we've seen what the darkness is, and we've seen the Hive, and we've seen the Fallen, and the Taken, and the Vex, just how problematic could one group of disaffected humans and guardians be? My concern is more so than even the Taken, Oryx's troops, and uh, the race that he has created out of the remains of other races pales in comparison to the damage that the Concordant is going to do to us one day when they finally decide to come out of the shadows like they always do, crawl out from whatever rock they're hiding under, and attempt to overthrow our speaker. Or in this particular case, install someone, since the current seat is vacant. Next week, we're going to talk about the Taken uh, class, and remember that 10-page maximum paper on the darkness is due if you have any questions, you can reach out to me. My office hours are on demand, and you can always find Professor Pogue at Officer Gleason on the Twitter feed. And until next time, future guardians, cryptarchs, and treasure seekers, uh, be brave.
Thank you for listening to For the Lore. If you'd like to hear more from the guys, check out Popcorn Ronin with Roger and Vince, a movie, TV, and anime podcast, as well as Lore Watch, a Blizzard lore podcast co-starring Joe. And if you're into comic books, check out All Comics Considered with Marty and his crew. Lastly, thanks to Manelli Jamal for the show's theme music. You can find him at ManelliJamal.com as well as on iTunes and help support this incredible musician by picking up his CDs.